Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. We're going to be talking in a two-part show on dreams and premonitions, with today's focus being on dreams. They are so important. They help us relieve stress, they rest the brain, they calm the soul, but they also bring us messages. Like, did you guys know, for example, that Stephanie Meyer dreamed the entire book Twilight and then just wrote it all down? Paul McCartney, I think most of us know, dreamt the melody to Yesterday. He played it for a friend the next day and said, do you know this? It's a good little tune, but I couldn't have written it because I dreamt it. Even our nightmares can be helpful. Edgar Allan Poe said several of his short stories were inspired by his own nightmares. So if you aren't remembering your dreams, though, you might not be tapping into this rich land of connectivity. So we're going to be talking about today the types of dreams that are most prevalent, how to remember your dreams, and what your dreams are telling you. I think dreams are so fascinating, and I'm really, really conscious about keeping a dream journal. And I mean, like with my writing journals, I have them for years and years. And sometimes when you look back or you start seeing patterns or certain symbols that keep popping up over and over again, it's an amazing way to to go deeper with yourself, but also to tap into your subconscious and maybe get to some underlying things that might not be as readily apparent. I totally agree. It's a way for us to connect inside. Isn't it Thomas Edison who would take a nap every day? And he would receive information for his inventions and his dreams, but it was usually during the nap time. Do you know that my son can do that? My son that's very mechanically inclined and wired like an engineer. If he's trying to figure, he's done this since he was a little boy. If he's trying to figure out like how to fix an engine or how to make something work better or how to improve all of the stuff that I, I don't completely understand, he'll dream about it. And then he'll look up and he'll say, oh, I just, he'll say to me, because I told both my boys this when they were younger, sleep on it and you'll get clarity in the morning. And even as a little guy, he started dreaming about how to fix things or why they, it's really, I think that's fascinating. But it also ties in with dreams will almost acclimate to what you're, what you need in your life. So if you are wired more, linear sequential, you may have dreams that are, are more on that bend, or it could be a release for if, if you're wired so much that way that your dreams can be just almost like a releasing steam valve to open up that other part of your brain. Well, and we all dream every night. Studies have shown that even if you don't remember your dreams, we all dream, except psychopaths. Studies have shown they actually don't dream. Oh, Ooh, that, that's, that's a topic for another show. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my favorite resources is, it's by Kevin Tedeschi, and the name of the book is Dream Images and Symbols, a Dictionary. And a lot of people who interpret dreams say, don't, you know, don't go by someone else's definition, but go within and see what resonates with you. But this is a really nice reference, even if it's a stepping off point, because it, it's so deep. He went through all of Edgar Casey's records and compiled the symbolism in this book. And at the very beginning, and I think this really sums it up, he says, the language of the brain is symbols. For that reason, they are uniquely individual. The benefits of their exploration include problem solving, creativity, innovation, and most importantly, personal awareness. Perhaps more than any other tool, images and symbols can provide a deeply personal look into self-discovery and one's search for individual meaning. 
Almost like a mirror image, symbols allow individuals the opportunity to glimpse a portion of themselves and their surrounding environment from another oftentimes objective perspective. Because these images are so profoundly and deeply personal, each person is ultimately the best interpreter of his or her own symbolism and creative imaginings. For that reason, and then he goes on to say that possible explorations in the world of symbols are never definitive answers. But what I love about this book is there are references to mythical figures, literary characters, geographic locations, colors, auras. It's a really beautiful, beautiful stepping off point for this type of, as he says, self-exploration. So do you believe, for example, that all flying dreams mean the same thing? No. I don't either. I think it has to be in context. Yeah, I do too. Like I've always said, I'm not afraid of snakes at all. And I know a lot of people are. But if I dream of a snake and I have no fear of snakes, I think they're actually lovely creatures. It's not going to be a fearful message for me. But like my, one of my best friends has a terrifying fear of snakes. If she dreams of snakes, that is going to be a fearful message for her. So I think you have to take what the books say and then apply it to your unique perspective. Exactly. So your personal symbolism is going to be eventually more helpful. But if you don't know what, maybe you need a little connection. So you read an interpretation and say, well, that could be, but for me, snakes mean fill in the blank. So then you're developing your own, your own resources of, of what aligns with your inner truth and knowing. Now, Carl Jung says that everyone in our dream represents an aspect of ourselves. You know, I've thought about that a lot over the years because some nights my dreams are like going to the movies. They're so clear, so I, I can write pages in the morning on, on every detail. It's like I've stepped through the looking glass. And other times they're just these vague symbols or disconnections. Uh, and that's another reason why it's great to keep a dream journal is because you can track like what's going on in your life or you can, it can help you be more aware of Am I under a lot of stress? Do I have these kind of dreams? Am I in a really good place? Do I have these? Is, if you're concerned about someone, lately I've been having all these dreams about people that I haven't seen in years and years and years. And I think that's strange, like disconnected, people that don't belong together in the dreams. Do you ever have those? Oh, sure. Yeah. And I think sometimes you have to look at those people and think, what did they represent in my life at that time? What aspects of them triggered me or what aspects of them did I look up to? Is there a message that those symbols of that person is trying to bring me now? And then I think you have to take a broader view and think, okay, if I'm having all these dreams about people from the past, what aspect of the past might be coming back into my life now or is repeating for me now? Exactly. But I just think they're fascinating. I truly do. Another thing that, because I know you're probably all so tired of me talking about, we all tap into the collective, but we do. <laughs> and, and with that, there's a sense of unity, if you think about it. But a lot of the symbols and images that can come up in dreams are, are archetypes. And we've had other shows on archetypes, but these images will have a similar meaning to people across time and culture which, so fairy tales, legends, myths, there's usually universal symbols and themes. And that to me is, if, if something like that pops up in, in your dream, that's where a dream dictionary can be really good. Especially like you're very 
proficient with history and all of that stuff. I have spots in history that I'm really clear on, but as far as mythology, I have to look it up. So if, if a mythical creature shows up in my dream, I would look it up and read the meaning and say, oh, I can see how that fits into my life. That makes a lot of sense. And I, and I also think with dreams, sometimes, well, there's three major types of dreams that we should probably identify first, because not all dreams are just symbolic or even just about us. Right. What are, the, what are the three main types of dreams? Well, there's precognitive dreams, and these are dreams that predict something that will happen in your future or something that may be upcoming. You may dream about a job interview. You may dream about a partner. You may dream about your children. As, I've had dreams before of my sons as grown, like when they were younger, I dream about them as grown men, and now it's kind of freaky because they're grown men, and I'm seeing some of the things I saw in dreams 20 years ago which is kind of cool. There are telepathic dreams when you dream about a person who's still alive and you connect on an emotional level. And I think that's fascinating because a lot of, now these are all considered psychic types of dreams. So in that, an example might be you have a relative who's sick with pneumonia and then in the dream you're giving them support and you find out a week later that in fact that person does have pneumonia, but you've connected with them in that dream level. Sometimes people will dream about someone else's passing or they'll have a dream. No, this is random. Uh, I was in an accident when I was a kid and my mother woke up in the middle of the night. She had seen the accident in a dream and came rushing in and woke me up to see if I was okay. So it was, Wow. It, it, I mean, so I think when we have that emotional connection with someone, the telepathic dreams can be, be pretty intense. And then, of course, clairvoyant dreams, you connect with information that wouldn't normally be attainable when you're conscious. So now if you're naturally clairvoyant, and I think for those of us who are, maybe that's a connection. If you're naturally clairvoyant, you have a more vivid, more vividness with your dreams. But this, this reminds me of uh, before, you've mentioned this before on other shows, before 9-11, when so many people had dreams, premonition dreams or clairvoyant dreams about seeing this disaster coming. Yeah, I have a little bit of research on that. I'm going to talk about next week's show on premonitions, but that's pretty well documented. It is. And, and it was global. It wasn't here in the States. Another way to look at this is dreaming can be passive imagination. So daydreaming, that's a waking dream. It's passive, but it's also almost like a light sleep. You're free from control and criticism, and images will come to you. So that's, that's all uh, the work of the subconscious mind. Dream illusions. Uh, these can be excited by external stimuli. Someone sleeping in a well-lit room, or they're cold, or they're having other... This is a, an ex extreme example, but someone... Is has a hot water bottle on their feet. Then we're going back in time when people used hot water bottles. Then, but they dreamt that they were walking on the crater of a volcano. So, have you ever had that where you'll be dreaming something and you're kind of in that half awake state, and it's more of something going on with you physically that manifests in the dream? Yes, for sure. Dream hallucinations, or you know, uh, dreaming of people you love and maybe following through on, or someone. Uh, this I talked with a young woman 
not long ago and she was saying, oh, I've dreamt about this man. We're not even connected, but I know that he's my person because I dreamt it and it was so real and we were so connected. So then you wonder, is that a premonition dream or is that a desire dream? Kind of interesting. It is interesting. They say that I've read so many cool things about dreams. Like if you dream of someone, it means they're thinking of you. And then I've read if you dream of someone, it means that they're going through a difficult time and they need a prayer. So I know like if I wake up at three in the morning and I've dreamt of someone, I just say an Our Father and a Hail Mary because that's my belief system and I fall right back asleep. Oh, that's cool. So in, in addition to daydreams and then there's just normal dreams that can be, they can be, a release from your everyday life. So not every dream is this big prophetic, oh, this is happening, or this is my person, or there's going to be, sometimes it's just a release valve for things going on in your life, that either you've been really stressed about something, or it's it's a way for your, your mind to kind of let it go, and so you can move forward. And I think we have, supposedly we have those all the time. Lucid dreaming. Now, these are the ones where you're in control. They're very immersive. You, you're dreaming in color or you're... Aware that you're dreaming. Yes. Yes. Um, but you can control the dream. I've, that's not a strength for me. And I, I, it fascinates me when people talk about, oh, I was having this dream and I was able to do this and do that. And I, I switched the dream. I think that's, that would be so cool. I have had those experiences, but not to the extent of some writers and teachers I've studied who can control the dream within the dream. Like many, many times when I'm dreaming, I'm very aware in the dream that it's a dream, but I can't control or change it. I'm just more of an observer. Right. And, and that's, in a sense, a kind of a lucid dream. Right. When you're awake and you know you're in the dream, but you're not quite to that point where you can redirect the, the, the plot of what's happening, which I think there are ways you can train yourself to do that. There are one of the ways that I don't, I've never really tried. One of the ways is throughout your day, practice present moment awareness where you pinch yourself or tap your wrist a couple of times and say, I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. And supposedly doing things like that throughout the day, then when you're sleeping in the dream, you can do that and and you won't be able to tap yourself or you'll just realize I'm not awake. And then you can slip into that lucid state where you can control the dream. That's great information. So again, what you said is everybody dreams. We all, all these different reasons we dream, but a really great way is, and I've, I've said this to countless people, is I'm a big, big believer in keeping a dream journal because it is tapping into your, and especially if you're doing any kind of intuitive development or mediumship, because it triggers that same part of your brain, I believe, that we use as psychics, intuitives, readers, mediums. But one thing you can do that really works is write down your dreams as soon as you wake up. And even if you only get one little snippet, blue bus, write down blue bus, that's triggering your subconscious to remember it, but it's also developing those patterns that we need. 
And it doesn't matter if you wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm notorious for this, sometimes I will write things down. But a lot of times, and this is, you'll, have you ever done this? Like you'll say, oh my God, I've got to write this down. But then it's like, oh, I don't really want to reach over and get that pen and turn the light on. I'll remember it. I know I'll remember it. And then you wake up and it's completely gone. Yeah, the minute you move your body, you're back in the physical and you'll forget it. So you have to do it almost, what I, here's what I do. If I, if I remember a very vivid dream upon waking, I try to just lay where I am and not move and repeat the dream over and over in my head. Once I've got that locked in, that's when I reach for my dream journal in my bedside table and I write it down. And sometimes I reach for my bedside journal and my pen isn't there because I moved it. So then I reach for my phone and I have a little app on my phone and I just write it down in there. But having something right next to you that you can reach for before your feet hit the floor is really, really good. Another great thing you can do, especially if you want to try lucid dreaming or just dreaming with a purpose. Like a lot of times if I'm thinking about something, I write it down on a piece of paper and I put it under my pillow. And it doesn't work ever for me the first night, but usually by the third, fourth, or fifth night, I will have a dream that I remember that helps give me more information about that situation. But something you can do is set your alarm for 4 a.m. or 5 a.m., like, like three to four hours before you normally wake up. And you wake up and you go to the bathroom, take the dogs out, get a drink of water, whatever, but you make sure you're awake. And then you go back to bed for another hour. That last hour is when you're, you have the most vivid dreams. And so if you can wake yourself up out of that REM cycle and then go back to sleep, you'll have a much better chance of remembering your dreams and having a lucid dream. Another reason why it's good to practice keeping a dream journal is you can track it with the moon cycles. Mm -hmm. So for example, from what Denise and I were researching for this show, if you have a dream during a waning moon where the moon is getting smaller each night, let's say you have a nightmare and you wake up and you're like, oh, that's so scary. What, you know, <laughs> something wicked this way comes because <laughs> of a feeling. But then you look up the moon cycle and you realize you're in a waning moon. We'll take heart because anything we dream in a waning moon is said to represent issues in our life that we're ready to let go of. So it's actually not a bad thing to have a nightmare during a waning moon because it represents things from your past or your present that you're getting ready to move away from and, you're, and your, your subconscious anyway is ready to let that go. If you have a dream during the waxing moon when it's getting bigger, this is more about situations that are going to be getting bigger in your life or growing or something coming to fruition. New moon dreams represent things that are just beginning for us. And full moon dreams, I think we're all aware that most of us tend to have more vivid dreams during the full moon. And these tend to represent things that need our attention, that need our focus, that we need to direct more of our emotional energy to. That's perfect. And that's a really cool thing too, because if you are aligning it with your dream journal, you may dream more vividly on a new moon. Paying attention to how your mind acclimates to that is a great tool as well. One of the things that a lot of the dream researchers say is it's equally important to pay attention to the way you feel in the dream, not just what the symbolism or the meaning or the activity is. And that can also go with back to the journal. If you're, you don't remember the 
the specifics of what you've seen or experienced, you can say, I had a good night's sleep, or I feel like I had a good dream, or just jot down something, and that's going to trigger it. To piggyback on what you said about putting it under your pillow, if you're struggling with a decision or a question, a lot of times you can write that question out. Please show me, I, can you please help me find guidance about, and then write it in the form of a question. And it, as you said, it will take some time to make that connection, but often you'll get your answer through a dream. But paying attention to your feelings. So even if it was something scary in the dream or something unsettling or people that you're having maybe some acrimonious times with, but if you feel peaceful and calm, focus on that as well because it's, it's equally, if not more so, important. There's some cool things you can do before you go to sleep to help you remember your dreams too. Like you can take a hot bath because studies show that when your body heats up and then cools off, this makes you more tired and very relaxed. And a hot bath before bed also helps you to unwind and, hits, and helps you to hit the REM stage faster, which is the sleep cycle where dreams recur. You can also eat a banana before bed. Vitamin 6, which is found in foods like bananas or spinach, eggs, and nuts, help us to remember our dreams. Vitamin B6 converts tryptophan into serotonin, which helps us to have more vivid dreams. Actually, studies show that eating any fruit before bed will help you remember your dreams. It helps the central nervous system remain active while your muscles sleep. You can also drink water. If you drink a glass of water before bed, most likely you will wake up during your REM cycle to use the bathroom. And since dreams only occur during the REM cycle, if you wake in the middle of it, you're more likely to remember your dreams. How many dreams do you think studies show we have each night? 10 to 12. Four to five. Oh. I thought it was okay. higher too. <laughs> no, I really did too. Sometimes I have more than four to five dreams a night. Sometimes I just remember one. The average person remembers only one, maybe two of the dreams we have each night. And again, I think that's a cyclical pattern. There are some folks that I talk with who have amazing, they, there's a woman we both know who has these amazingly prolific dreams. Once you build that relationship with your dream world, you trust it you value it. It becomes a tool you can use in addition to your own inner knowing and insight. Yeah, I don't know what I would do without dreams. It's how I connect back to myself. There's a wonderful Jewish uh, folklore that I read in a book. I think Elie Wiesel edited it. I got it for my kids when they were little. And one of the stories tells about God making all these new souls, and they're all hanging out in heaven, and they're happy little souls, and they're they're just so joyful. They're in heaven. They're with God. And, and then he tells them it's time to go down to earth. And they're like, no, we don't want to leave you. We'll miss you. And he says, oh, don't worry. Every time you close your eyes at night to go to sleep, you come back to visit me. Oh. And I just love that idea that when we are dreaming, we are back with our people. Yes. With our spiritual team. And we're reconnecting and we're going over our soul plan and we're, you, you know, releasing old emotions and talking about new things coming up. And I think we're only able to remember certain dreams that will help us without giving us all the answers so we don't cheat on the test of earth. <laughs> and that's also the often one of the top ways people in spirit will come is through a visitation dream. They'll let us know they're okay. 
or they'll, and what's interesting is I don't, I'm a, we're both mediums, but I don't dream a lot about my people in spirit. So when I do, it's usually, it's very significant for me. But there was a woman I knew years ago, she was older and her husband had passed. And she said, oh no, he comes and visits me every night. And she, and I thought that was a beautiful gift. She was older, she was in her eighties and her husband had passed many years before. And she said, no, he comes every night and I dream about him. And I thought, that's a beautiful gift. That is a beautiful gift. Well, you know, I had, I did a reading for a woman years ago and her husband came through and he was so nice. And he said, tell her I'm sorry about the dreams, but I'm trying. And so I passed on that message and she goes, holy bleep, he better be sorry. He scared the shit out of me. (laughs) And I said, what happened? And she said, I woke up one night and I knew I was dreaming, but I knew I was awake. I was sitting up in my bed and my bed faces the hallway. And she said, I saw my husband walking towards me, but as he walked towards me, his whole skin, his body, everything kept melting off of him. And she said, I was terrified and I screamed, no. And she said, I haven't had another dream about him since. And what the man said to me in the, in the reading was it takes a lot of energy to Mm -hmm. recreate my physical form and I'm still learning. So she emailed me a couple of weeks later and she said, I'm trying to do what you said and ask him to come back into my dreams She said, I haven't yet, so I guess he's still working on his energy building stuff. But I was in our closet, and she said, don't judge me, but I miss him so much, I was just smelling his shirts. And the smell of him was leaving, and I just sat in my closet and cried. And I said, I just wish I could smell you again. Mm -hmm. If I can't see you or feel you, if I could just smell you. And no sooner had she said those words, she heard a huge crash. And she goes out of her closet into the bathroom and she kept all of her perfume bottles on the top of the toilet tank. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that later with germs, but whatever. (laughs) And in the middle of her tray of perfumes was his bottle of cologne. That was the only bottle that fell. And she said, you know, how could that bottle have gone past all my other bottles of perfume and crashed to the floor? Mm-hmm. Said, but now I can smell him all the time. Well, and that this is just if you're if you are waiting for someone in spirit that you love to come through in a dream, a it may be not your default position, similar to what I just said about. I mean, I'm a medium, and I rarely dream about my people. It also could be what Samantha just said about they're working on it. They'll they're trying to figure out how to do that because. One of the reasons they're able to come through is because our defenses are lowered. We're more uh, open. We've, we've kind of lowered the drawbridge a little bit. Well, I did another reading with a daughter, and her father said he had come through in a dream. And the daughter said, yes, and I really appreciate that, but I wish he would do it more. And the dad said to me, we need permission. He said, we can't come into their dreams all the time or else they'll never move past the grief process. Oh. And he said, we have to get permission from our guides and their guides to come through. Now, I know when my dear friend George passed, a couple of years later, I had a dream that I was visiting him in the hospital, which I never did do in real life. He died in Africa. 
And in this dream, I've, I'm walking through the hospital and he's laying in the bed and I'm like, oh my gosh, George, you're still alive. I was so excited. And I ran to hug him and he said, no, don't. I haven't learned how to do that yet. Let's just enjoy this time. And so oh. I think they have to learn not only how to appear in our dreams, but also how to physically touch us in the dreams. I've probably told the story a thousand times when my mother-in-law came through in my dream. She, I was sleeping in my bed and, and I physically heard a crash in my living room. But I was still dreaming, apparently. And in the dream, I got up and I ran out into the living room and she was sitting in the floor of my living room and she said, that was so much harder than I thought. And I said, what was Maggie? And she said, coming through your dreams takes so much more energy than they explained, which means I don't have a lot of time. Oh. And I said, what is it, Maggie? What is it? And she grabbed my hands and she said, it means nothing, Samantha. Do you hear me? It means nothing. You're going to be fine. And tell Grace, congratulations. And then I woke up. And I woke up, Mike, and I was like, this dream just happened. Your mom just told me this. I'm like, what means nothing? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, and what about Grace? That was his sister's daughter, so Maggie's other grandchild. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, please call your sister. I need to know if something amazing happened to her. So I know if this dream is real and I have something to worry about, that means nothing. So he called his sister. And she said, oh, my gosh, we just found out last night that Grace made the Junior Olympic ski team. Wow. So then I was like, oh, shit, that's a real dream. Well, that night is when I found the lump in my breast. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And having her, having that dream, it means nothing, you're going to be fine, meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. And then months and months and months later, after I had my first surgery, I had to go to my youngest daughter's kindergarten graduation. And it was only three days after the surgery. So I still had everything pinned to me and ice packs stuck in my bra and all sorts of lovely stuff. But I had to go. So we go and, and we're leaving the church. And one of Mike's friends from childhood, so Mike has this friend from childhood, his mom was best friends with Maggie, and they moved here together from New York. Mm -hmm. Are you following all this weird family connection? Yes. All right. So her name's Kathleen. She's absolutely lovely. I adore her. And she comes running up, gives me a huge hug, which I scream in pain. And she's like, oh, my God, what did I do? I'm like, nothing, nothing. It's fine. It's so good to see you. And she said, are you okay? I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. And she's like, no, I mean, are you okay? And I hadn't told. I just wasn't walking around going, I have breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So I said, um, yeah, um, what's up? And she said, and she kind of pulled me aside from Mike and the kids. And she said, I've been having these dreams about you for months and I don't know what to do about it. And I said, well, tell me. She said, I keep having these dreams that I wake up and there's a text from Maggie saying, tell Sam she's going to be okay. Wow. And she said, I didn't want to tell you because I thought it might be about your marriage. And that's just too damn personal. <laughs> And so I called my mom, you know, Maggie's best friend, and she's like, do I tell Samantha? And my mom said, Maggie would never text. <laughs> so she said, I kept it to myself. And I told her, I said, well, I just had surgery for my mastectomy. And she was like, oh, my God, I wish I had told you these dreams. So I, those stories just bring me so much comfort. Oh, that's amazing. That is so amazing. So I do think our loved ones will come through when it's something big like that. 
But then there's other big, big things that will happen to us and our loved ones on the other side, they're like on vacation. And, and when that happens to me, I get pissed. Like, hello, where are you now? Mm -hmm. What I've learned that there are some things in life that it's just pre-programmed in our soul plan. We have to go through alone. That's part of the test and the, and the challenge and the gift. Right. But we just have to trust every time and just be grateful when we have a dream, when we have a soul visit, and we also have to trust when we don't get that help because I, I think they're always there helping us. It's just they need permission. It needs to be part of our soul plan, and they need to learn how to work with their energy to you know, infiltrate our dreams that way. And then there's the universal stuff. So a lot of people will dream about uh, birth and death, and they'll either freak themselves out of, oh, no, I or they're excited, you know, I'm going to have a baby. But birth itself or pregnancy can be about giving, it can be literal, but it can also be about giving birth to a new idea, a new plan, a new situation in your life. Death may be not a physical death, but an ending to something you need to release. So always look at it from both sides. Of Don't always take it literal. And I think for, I mean, we both talk to a lot of folks who are, are ready to have children and they're, they're very anxious, they want to get on with it, and they may have a dream. So make sure that you're kind with yourself and don't stress yourself out if you're having specific dreams of what you really want or what you may hope happens in your life. I hope that came out the right way. No, I think it does. And I also think sometimes our loved ones will come to give us a heads up about stuff like that. Yes. I've been having this recurring dream of my aunt, my mom's twin, I've had it three times now and she I'm setting the table for dinner and my windows are open and I see my aunt pull up in a car and she's always got two other ladies with her and she gets out of the car and I run to the door and I say, no, I'm not ready. Go away, Aunt Claire. And I know that's her checking to see if I'm ready for my mom to pass. Wow. Oh my yeah. goodness. I don't know what'll happen if I have that dream again and I'm like, sure, come on in. <laughs> dinner's on the table <laughs> oh, i think sometimes that can happen now the only recurring dream that i have had throughout my entire life it's always a different place like sometimes when i was a kid i was on the top of the stairs but now that i have it i'm usually outside and i start flapping my arms like a bird mm -hmm. and i start flying and i soar through the skies and and the whole time i'm flying i think oh my God, this whole time I've been living on this earth, I could have just flapped my wings and flown. And I've read all the flying dreams and what the Freudians think it means. I don't, for me, I don't think it means that. For me, I think it means we all have this power, this ability, this gift, whatever it is, it's unique to each of us inside of us. And if we just flap our wings, meaning if we just take that first leap of faith, we'll, we'll soar but it's always inside of us. Right. And that goes into metaphors and symbolism and all of those things that you, you have aligned that with your, what it feels right and true for you. See, I dreamt for years and years about going to this same house. And I, I can tell you for, like where everything is in that house. It was, it's not a house I physically ever stepped foot into in this lifetime. And I've lived a lot of places. So I've lived in a lot of different homes and, apartments and different things 
But so, and even right now, as we're speaking of this, I can picture where the staircase is. I can picture the kitchen. It's so, so vivid. So then a lot of people will say, do we dream about past lives with places we've been? Or do we dream about connections with, I mean, what would be the significance of knowing a home so well and having never been there? Well, there's a lot of interpretations of that. There's a really good haunted movie that starts out that way. <laughs> she dreams of this house and same thing. She walks through it. And anyway, a couple of years later, she finds the house for sale and buys it and it's haunted and the ghost, you know, needs her help. But houses always represent ourselves and aspects of our conscious and unconscious. Now, a common recurring dream that a lot of people have that's different from yours but it's the one dream where every time someone has shared it with me, it actually means what the books say it means. If you dream that you're walking through your house and you find a room and you're like, oh my God, I never knew I had this huge, beautiful room. It means you're seeking for something much more in your life. That there's something in your life you want that's bigger and better than you think you can have. So that dream every time like I've had friends who have had that dream and it's right when they're getting frustrated or anxious with their job and they're thinking about applying for a promotion or, or getting a brand new job or people have told me those dreams and it's right before they decide to leave a relationship or I mean just every single time it's it has happened to a person who's really ready to step out of their comfort zone and they're looking for something more in their life it's very interesting. Yeah. And supposedly like where you find the room is significant too. So like the basement is the subconscious. The attic is the super conscious. The bedroom is like personal relationship stuff. The kitchen is, you know, things that you're baking up in your life that's going to be cooking up, heating up, all those symbols. The family room is, you know, where you um, all gather. So you have to look at where and what kind of room it is. Like if you dream that you find um, a laundry room you didn't know you had, that can mean there's something in your life that needs to be cleaned, washed up, changed out. But if you dream you find a brand new bedroom, it, it can mean that you're looking for a relationship or you're looking to be more intimate. So it's, it's interesting to look at house dreams. Mm -hmm. and, and again, the symbolism may mean something differently for each of us. So another huge symbol is, are you going up a ladder, up a staircase, up a hill? That usually means things are going to start to improve or move upward in your life, similar to if you're moving down or you're driving down a hill. Or So those are pretty universal signs and symbols as well that will show up in dreams. No, sometimes you, I, I had this one dream. I still don't know what it means. But I was walking through the woods and I had this wolf next to me and it was like a wolf from the Twilight movies, like giant. But I knew he was like my best little friend. And as we're walking through the woods, I'm petting him and, and we get to this beautiful little cozy cottage in the woods and I open up the door to go in and the whole time there's this moose following us. Mm -hmm. And he was an adorable moose. And I get in the, get in the cottage with the wolf and I shut the door and that was it. And I've, I could not figure out what that dream meant. And I called Deb and I'm like, I had this dream. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Deb is my co-host on my other podcast, Psychic Teachers. And she studied Carl Jung and did all sorts of dream work. And she said, oh, well, did you know that the only known predator to a wolf is the moose? Mm -hmm. Did you know that? 
Yes. I yes. And, and that's a really, like, because I've talked about this ad nauseum about how much I love nature and animals and all those things. So if an animal shows up in my dream, I will look in my animal books. I will look and see. I will see what my relationship is. They're, they're big in my dreams because I'm so connected and, and I trust them. I trust the message that they're going to bring through. So that's another really cool tool to, to dream about. Moose are great. And that, that makes perfect sense. Yes. And that's one of the things moose are about uh, tenacity and keeping going. And they'll, uh, they'll just trot along and they'll keep going and going and going. They're not known for speed, but they're known for um, being able to keep going with something like that. So I guess the dream was telling me that I need to keep going and, and fight the good fight. I think so. Perseverance. And yes. patience. That's a message I get in my dreams all the time, Denise. And I just want to say, <laughs> F you. I'm tired of being patient. <laughs> so one of the, uh, this goes back to technology and stuff. One of the things that a lot of people say, if you want to improve your dream life is to not go to sleep looking at screens. Don't go to sleep listening to TV or watching TV, but truly like have that quiet time and, and have where you sleep be a place to sleep. Do you do that? Um, I don't have a TV in my room. I never have. And, and that's, I can remember arguing with my sons when they were teenage. Everybody we know has a, t a TV in the room. I said, well, I don't care. Uh, so I don't have a TV. I have caught myself because I use, and this is just a throwback. I, I do have my phone in my room. I know that's terrible but it's set so that it shuts off and the only people that can get through are, are my sons because I just, as an FYI, no matter how old they get, you still want to know that they can get in touch with you of course. if they need you. Um, so, but as far as I've, I have noticed if I, like if my phone goes off before, cause it shuts off at 10 o'clock, if, if it dings or something, I'll start. And then you, then you fall into it. And you start scrolling and you start reading and, oh, maybe I better check this. So shutting off phones or technology or TVs or whatever can be a huge, huge conduit for a more active dream life. Well, just Google melatonin studies with dreams because supposedly if you have any light in your room, it affects the melatonin in your brain. And the melatonin is what helps us to go to sleep, regulate our sleep patterns, and awaken to our dreams, which is hard for me because I always have some light. And I, I don't know, I always do. I have my little rose quartz lamp that I tend to keep on in my room. And I keep a lot of lights on throughout the house. I always have. You know, when I had the most bizarre dreams of my life is when I worked night shift. I used to work a couple jobs where I worked 11 at night till seven in the morning. And then I would sleep during the day. I had the most bizarre dreams I've ever had in my life. And I think that's because you're messing with the circadian rhythm. And I've talked with people that do shift work that it varies. Like one day they're on day shift, midday, night shift. And they've, they've all said the same thing, that it really, really messes with their dreams. I have better dreams when I go to sleep before midnight, mm -hmm. which is really hard for me to do, but I'm trying to do it more and more. But supposedly every hour of sleep you get before midnight is worth two hours of sleep that you get after midnight. Did right. you know that? Like yeah, I whole... think that's really valid because yeah. if I go to bed early enough, 
I sleep so much better. But if I stay up too late, then it's almost like my brain triggers, okay, round two, let's go. And then I yeah, can't get to sleep in the middle of the night. Yeah. I know. I know. I look forward to the day when I have like no responsibilities <laughs> and I don't have to be up at a certain time. I just really, I think about this a lot because I wonder if there wasn't anything that I had to do the next day, like even Saturdays and Sundays, there's always something. I got to drive this one here. I got to go here. I got to pick up this for my mom. There's always something I have to do. And I always wonder if I didn't have that, you know, what would my sleep schedule be? Mm -hmm. I think it'll be fun to find out. Well, it's interesting because now that I work for myself, my sleep schedule is much different than all the years that I taught school because I would get up so crazy early in the day and go to bed really early because I needed to have that time to write, to get ready, to have quiet time before I started the day. And and I stayed with that for a while after I stopped teaching, but now I sleep a little bit later. I go to bed a little bit later, but I, I always wake up right around the same time anyway, which is still pretty early in the morning. So I think your body will adjust to what works best for you. I do too, but I, it's just hard because I'm a night owl and that's when I do my best work. That's when I do my best meditating. Wow. And yet it doesn't, it doesn't work for the body necessarily or for dreams. So if you are on a kick to remember your dreams, try to go to bed a little bit earlier than you normally do. And if we could just beat it in one more time, keep a dream journal. That is the best thing you can do to remember your dreams and get in touch with the messages they're trying to impart to you. I really think, especially if you're not meditating or if you're not feeling that calmness in your soul, which I know a lot of us aren't right now with everything going on in the world, it's so hard for our guides to connect with us and get messages through to us that, that we need to receive to stay on our path. And the dream state is the one opportunity they have in the day where we're quiet, that they can do that. So we hope you guys have enjoyed this. Tune in next week when we talk about premonition dreams and what they can teach us about consciousness of the unconscious and how our mind works. We hope you guys have a beautiful, happy, blessed week. Don't forget, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.